we're in a brand new series. Um, and it's, we're simply addressing besetting sins. You know what a besetting sin is? A besetting sin is a sin that keeps coming back to your life that you don't want. A sin that keeps on revisiting your life that you don't want. So we want to, <coughs> excuse me, we want to address the sin before it addresses us. And so we started the series, and one of the things that we said is that we're going to attack sin. We're not going to be we're not going to be uh, uh, casual about sin. We're going to attack sin. If you were here last week, we said we looked at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. It's sort of like the basis for our um, series. And we said that the base, how we're going to address sin, we're going to give you a strategy, a strategy that legitimately fights and kills sin. And I don't care what your sin is. Your sin, I mean, could be anything. Whatever your sin is, overspending, overeating, whatever, you know, holding bitter grudges against others, lying continually. Uh, it just, I mean, there's, for as many people in, as there are in the world, there's as many sins as there are in the world. So I don't know what your reoccurring sin is. I don't know what your sin that you keep coming back to, but we want to kill that. So I Yours might be a socially acceptable sin, or yours might be an unsocially acceptable sin. We want to address it. Now, yesterday, uh, last, not yesterday, last week, one of the things that we said, and this was super important, one of the things that we said, or we said three things, the way we're going to address sin is you have to have this in mind, right? We're going to be thinking out, does anybody remember this? Thinking out, right? We're going to be digging deep, right? Digging deep, or digging down, I'm sorry. Digging down, and uh, uh, I forgot the third one. It just left my mind. Oh, yeah, looking up. Great, great, all right. We're learning together, right? So we're thinking out, what do we mean? We're thinking out the consequences of our sin. We're, We're playing the whole tape. We're thinking out how... Christ is better than our sin. We're thinking out. And then we're digging deep. What idols are our hearts running to rather than Jesus? So we're digging down, right? What is the sin under the sin, right? So you lie, but the reason, so you have these two people over here, and they lie. This guy lies because he wants the approval of everyone. That's what the underlying sin is. This guy lies because he wants to control situations. You see how the different motivation leads to the same thing? But it's, it's, so you just can't say, don't lie. You have to address the issue of approval. You can't, the idol of approval. You can't say, don't uh, lie. You have to address the idol of control. Does that make sense? Right? So we're digging down. And then the third one was looking up. Looking up, finding in Christ the delight of our hearts and finding in Jesus all that we need. So we have um, a strategy that we are going to um, go with, a strategy for defeating our sin. And I'm just going to tell you what that strategy is right now. It's just 
avoiding. That's our first step. We're going to start avoiding sin. You, listen, you don't act out on 100% of the sin that you avoid. You understand that, right? So I can't tell you, I'm not going to, um, I, again, I hear more confessions than the Brooklyn DA, I'm telling you. It's incredible. So people have come to my office quite a bit, and they've shared stuff. But I'm, I'm not going to share with you what any one person has said. I'll share with you a composite of men and women who have come to my office, and it sounds something like this. It's like, I can't believe I did it again. How could I have fallen to that same thing? I thought I had left it behind. I thought I had dealt with it, and I've done it again. And then look at the consequences Mother, father, sister, brother, friend, job, whatever. Look at the physical consequences. I can't believe I did it again. I, I've heard that story probably thousands of times. Like I've been doing this for 20 years. Thousands and thousands and thousands of times. We, it's something that we struggle with. We, we struggle with stuff. But how, then, do we deal with the struggle? So we're going to look through several steps as a strategy. But here's the thing about these steps. They don't work in isolation. If you just come for this week, then you're going to miss all the other supporting uh, parts of this strategy. And you're going to find that you're not as successful in dealing with your sin as you, as you would be if you just came and learned and, and, and asked Jesus to change your heart. You, but we got to come. So, so here's the deal. You got to show up for like the next six weeks. Just show up for the next six weeks. I know that feels like a lot, right? But I'm telling you, I'm, I, I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And I want you to be free of sin. I want you to be free of the, of, the, of the bitterness that you have in your heart. I want you to be free of the lies that you tell yourself and tell others. I want you to be free of the deception that you have created in your own life to be okay with living with your sin. I want you to be free from that. But it, it's probably... You know, it's going to be more difficult if you just kind of do your own thing. So, so I'm just inviting you to come back. Is that okay? Okay? So just keep coming. It's going to get better. Okay. So now, that, that image or that confession that I just gave you happens all over. But I didn't need to be a pastor to see that in other people's lives. I've seen it in my own. I've seen it in my own. Where I've gone back and gone back and gone back to sin. And then once I come back to sin, I go, that's it. You know, and of course, you know what happens when you sin, right? The reason that we're dealing with this is because we're fighting for our joy. Joy, when we sin, what, what happens? Shame takes place. Grief takes place. We start avoiding God. Anybody here ever sin and not come back to church for like months? Yeah. After, what? Of course. That's what we do. As if God did not know what we were doing in the dark. But 
we do that. And then what we do is we, we say we're going to turn over a new leaf. And we, we try through self-effort to transform our lives. So let me tell you uh, what, uh, what the cycle of self-effort is. This is how you and I try to transform without the gospel. The cycle of self-effort, by the way, I got this from, Rede- I didn't invent this, I got this from Redeemer Church. Uh, um, they're awesome. But here's, here's the uh, step one. Step one is resolution or promise. Have you ever done that? I will never do that again. Just like with tears, and I mean like real hot tears flowing down. There's no hypocrisy in it. You desperately and fervently believe that you will, I promise, you make an oath to yourself. That's it. No more. You know, um, yeah, man. It's just so many times, like, right, back when there were VHSs, right, guys would like, I'll never go back to those videos again. They would put their VHS stash in a bag. They would break it with the hammer. I'm free never again. That's the first step. The second step in the cycle of self-effort. This is not the cycle of gospel effort, of what God does in your life. This is self-effort. This is how you try to get rid of sin on your own. Then the second step is pride. Look at me. Look at me. Oh, I don't understand why. I don't understand why she can't get it together. I got clean. Why can't she get clean? I, I stopped overeating. Why can't he stop overeating? I stopped messing around. Why can't he stop messing around? I stopped gossiping. Why can't he stop gossiping? It's pride. Pride stops, starts to set in. Step three, after you have whatever, you know, the two months, two years, whatever it is, then you know what happens in step three? You fail. This is the cycle of self-effort. You fail. And when you fail, there's a sense of despair that comes up. There's a sense of like, I can't, you know, you, you come back to my office and you say, I can't believe I did it. Then self four, step four is what? Anybody can see what step four is? Yeah, self-effort. What, what's the one right under it? Try harder. Try harder. Work harder at this. Do better. You can do it. Come on, I believe in you. Try harder. Let's go. I'll never overeat again. I'll never binge and purge again. I'll never go outside my marriage again. I'll never relapse again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. I'm going to try harder, which is like a reinforcement of step one. And then, of course, step five is failure, and then your heart gets calloused. It gets hard. You're like, well, if I got to go, I'm going to go. And you keep on doing it. And you keep on doing it. And you think that the problem is now, now you're not afraid of doing it again. You know what you're afraid of? Getting caught. See, the shift goes from I don't want to do that to honor Jesus anymore to I don't want anybody else to find out. You see that? It's getting caught. That's the problem now. Because your heart is hard. Step six, you feel a great sense of shame. 
And then, of course, we run back to step one. We just resolve, oh my gosh, I'll never do this again. Do you see how destructive this is? I can promise you that this is the blueprint for many, many churches on how to transform a life. This is the blueprint. And I don't want to be in this blueprint. I'm not down with this. I'm not. I want us to be transformed by the gospel. This does not transform us. What does transform us is the power of Jesus, our Christ. And so, if that's true, and if there's hope for us, and listen to me, I'm speaking to quite a few people, and I know that there are some people here who are like, man, I'm grateful I never struggled with any kind of sin at all. I want you to talk to me after the service. I want to talk to you. I want, to, I, want, I want us to, I want to ask a few questions, right? And so, so there are people who just go, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm glad I'm not like those other sinners, right? And then there are others here who are like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait till we talk deeper about what avoiding sin looks like. I can't wait to talk about it. And, and you're like, I, I, I'm ready. I don't want to act out anymore. And then there's a third group of people who think that you're hopeless. You know what? You were introduced to this particular sin at six years old. Or maybe you say this. It was before six years old. You say, no, no, no. I was born this way. I was born this way. And you go, there's no point in addressing my sin because it's just the way I was, I was created. I'm telling you that there is freedom for everyone who calls on the name of Christ. He gives it in abundance. And so I want us to look at a text. God knows that we are all going to struggle with besetting sins, sins that keep coming back to our hearts and our lives. So let's, let's look at God's word. We're looking at Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. One of the traditions we have in our church is to stand at the reading of God's word. So I'll ask you to stand. That's awesome. So we're going to read Romans uh, chapter 13, verses 11. So there's a, a, a part of your either device that can read to you, and that's super helpful that I use all the time. And sometimes it can go off on its own. So we'll, we'll, we'll forgive that. That's no big deal. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at this text and um, see if the Lord won't help us. And do this. This is, matter of fact, let's read this together. We're reading Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. Let's go ahead and read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, 
not carousing in drunkenness, not sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is God's Word. Wow. Big deal here. <clears throat> okay. So, so if in fact the way of being transformed, the way of being changed, the way of being um, is not the cycle of self-effort, but it's a gospel work that God does in your heart, what does it look like? Well, over here it kind of describes it. So Paul's saying, and do this, right? This is what, this is where our minds should go. Understanding the present time. That's a simple phrase that just goes, yo, wake up, right? Like, you know, um, you, we have a phrase like this, understanding the present time in, um, in New York that we use all the time. Um, yo, I know what time it is. I know what time it is. In other words, when you say, I know what time it is, you're not talking about being able to discern the clock or the, wa uh, or the watch on your wrist. When you say, I know what time it is, you say, I understand this situation. I, am, I, I understand what's going on. I see clearly the circumstances around. Paul is saying, we know what present time it is. We, we understand clearly, and you go, well, no, 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 we don't. Okay, so he's going to explain. He goes, the hour has already come for you to wake up for your, from your slumber. The hour, in other words, you're asleep. Paul is literally telling us new news. He goes, you're asleep, but Jesus is waking you up, waking you up to the truth of his gospel, waking you up to the beauty of his presence, waking you up to the power of his spirit. He's waking you up. Don't be asleep to that. Wake up. Wake up. And he says, because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now, it's important to understand that the Bible uses the word salvation in three different tenses. It uses it in the past tense, in the present tense, and in the future tense. Paul is using salvation in the future tense. So just real briefly, past tense of salvation. We were saved. You'll see that in the Bible. We were saved. This is important to understand because it affects how you read. It, it affects how you understand a lot of uh, important scriptures. Um, we were saved. That is what Christ has done on the cross. Dying for our sin. Taking on our sin on himself. Christ has done that. We were saved. It's, when he said it is finished, he wasn't kidding. It is finished. Presently, we are being saved. This has more to do about sanctification. This has more to do about being transformed in the present. This entire series is about what God is doing in transforming us in the present. And then, we'll be saved. This has to do with what is going to happen when Christ comes again and he gives us our new bodies in the new heavens and the new earth. So Paul is speaking of the future. And he says, because our salvation now is nearer now 
than when we first believe. If you don't understand that, then you'll think that, um, you'll wonder whether you're saved or not. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Paul is going to do this um, juxtaposition over and over again. He's going to go night and day. Hey, the darkness. And this is something that comes over in the New Testament over and over. There is a way, and you understand this already. There is a way of living in the dark. We're not talking about whether the lights are on or off. We're not talking about whether it's morning or evening. Living in the dark is a lifestyle choice. Living in the dark is a way of being. It's a way of life. Living in the dark is. And so there are those of us who live in the dark. Live connected to, obedient towards, surrendered to our sin. We live in the dark. And then, but there's another way to live. The day, living in the day, living in the light. Now, living in the light is not being perfect. Living in the light is walking in submission to Christ. So for instance, part of the way I live in the light is I live in community. Those prayer services I was telling you about. And I honestly confess my sin. And I hear the sins of others confessed to me. And we live in the light. In other words, we don't live hoping for, you know, hiding each other's sins so that our reputations can grow. We confess so that our love for Jesus can grow. There's a way to live in the dark. There's a way to live in the light. So let us put, and then he's going to go back to this darkness piece, day and night. And, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. So there's this juxtaposition. There's day and night, and then there's put on and put off. We're talking, how do we avoid? Well, it's putting on and putting off. Here's what you know. You never let go of any affection without having another affection to take its place. It's how we get over the loss of our exes. Isn't that true? Right? If we have an ex, we just feel all, so, all kinds of ways about that. And then we find the next person, it's like, oh, I don't even remember what their name was. It's like, you know what, whatever, right? Why is that? Why is that? Because there's a principle in life. The principle is in order to let go of a affection, you have to grab onto another affection, right? So some of us, we, um, and, I mean, in our lives, a lot of us have dealt with addiction, right? And so, you know, uh, one of the ways that we thought we could stop using harder drugs is by using what we thought were lesser offensive drugs, so, right? So the heroin addict will be drunk all the time, right? So he'll go, but I, well, at least I'm not shooting up in my arms. To which it makes sense, right? Because, right, we, we've moved from one affection to the other, but this one seems less harmful. Well, that's true in life, in everything. You, you can't get rid of one affection, 
until you, get until you grab a hold of another affection. So you see what he's doing here. He's saying, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery and in dissension and jealousy. I just want to pause for a second. There are, are some sins that we can all agree are sins, right? Carousing, sexual immorality, right? We all agree. We have no problem living in the dark when it comes to jealousy, envy. I mean, literally, I don't want to belabor this point too much, but literally, we live in jealousy. Like, that's, that's the way we identify ourselves. I'm better than them, I'm worse than them. The comparison trap. It's the way we live. We, some of us are, I, I remember growing up, I totally lived in this. And honestly, as an adult, I still struggle with this. Where I look at someone else and I go, I, well, it's jealousy. I go, oh my gosh, they're so much better looking than me, they're so much smarter than me. They can, as a pastor, you do this all the time with people's churches. It's the jealousy. There are sins that we don't mind living in that we come back to again because they're socially acceptable and they're not as readily seen. But I want us to start addressing even those sins. The reason that we sit here and we go, oh, I don't struggle with sins is because you don't struggle maybe with the socially unacceptable sins. But I promise you, you struggle with sins. So we come back here and we say, and he says, um, let us behave decently and in, um, as in daytime, not carousing drunkenness, drunkenness, not in sexual uh, immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. And then he has, he has this incredible um, uh, word. It says, rather. Rather is a huge word. By the way, start noticing transitional words. Things like but or and or therefore or rather or if. These are transitional words. They're small, but they have a big punch. He goes, rather than doing this, rather than, rather than living in the darkness, rather than, rather than living, he goes, in contrast, that's what rather means, in contrast, rather than that. Here's a thought. Don't do that. Do this, right? We, um, you know, don't eat unhealthy. Go vegetarian. Right? Rather go vegetarian. In other words, transition. In contrast. And then he says something that's huge. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay. Do you know? Do you know why you act out on your sin? I wonder if you know. Do you know? I'm going to blow your minds. I'm going to blow your minds. This is worth the price of admission. Okay? Write this down. The reason you act out on your sins, wait for it, is because, you ready? You want to. It's because you want to. Jonathan Edwards um, said something like hundreds of years ago. 
you, you don't know who Jonathan Edwards is. He was like the, one of the presidents of Princeton College. He's like a massive thinker, en Encyclopedia Britannica, if you can remember. Does anybody remember Encyclopedia Britannica? Yeah, no, right? Yeah, the, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica said um, that he was one of the greatest American thinkers uh, that America, uh, one of the greatest thinkers that America ever produced. He's that guy, right? He's a really smart guy. And his argument was this. Nobody ever does anything unless they want to. Nobody ever does anything unless they want to. You don't do a thing unless you want to. You go, but I hate working out and I still do it. Only if you want to. Only if you want the results that working out or you believe the results that will come. You could, listen, somebody could put a gun to your head and say, kill your kid. You know, shoot your kid. Or I'm going to shoot you. And then you shoot your kid. You go, but they put a gun to my head. Yeah, no, 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 no. See, you wanted to live more than you wanted the child to live. You don't do anything unless you want to. That's a, that's a truth of life. And so Paul is just reiterating that when he says this, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. See, there's a meditation that we do throughout the day of the things that we want. As a meditation, it's a meditative practice. And we just think about it, and think about it, and think about it, and think about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's pornography. It doesn't matter if it's food. It doesn't matter if it's shopping. It doesn't matter if it's overspending. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's bitterness. It doesn't matter if it's uh, binging and purging. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. We do it because we want to. We meditate or fantasize about it, and then we act on it. That's basically it. So Paul is saying, in contrast to that, he gives this small phrase. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus. Now, it's interesting, because I was kind of thinking like I was going to do a, a, a thing, you know, like I, sometimes I, I try to illustrate what we're doing here, but I, I, I couldn't do this. Because um, I was thinking of like, oh yeah, put on a coat, take off a coat. Put on a coat, take off a coat, right? Take off the old man, put on Christ. But Paul is not talking about here putting something on like you put on, you know how like all you, we're all dressed. We, we all put on our clothes, right? It's not like that. It's, it's more like armor. See, what does armor do? Armor does a couple of things. Armor identifies what army you're with, right? So if you wear, anybody, right, anybody realize that, right? Like when soldiers go off to war, they wear their, like, you know, some, they have their body armor, they have, like, even now, they have bulletproof vests and all that other stuff, but it identifies what side they're on, and secondly, it protects them in the battle. That's what armor does. It allows them to, uh, to be protected from the arrows, from the bullets, from the whatever of the enemies. So when Paul is telling us to put on the armor of God, he's going, put on your protective gear. Put on your protective gear. There's an armor. So what we're going to do, what we're talking about today is avoiding Sin, avoiding temptation. But we're not talking about just like avoiding like in the negative sense, like, hey, you know, like 
avoid people, places, and things, right? That's easy enough, right? I would add to that, avoid not only people, places, and things, but I would add triggers and habits. Do you know what I mean by triggers and habits? I was talking to a guy, and he works in a job that is actually very manually intensive, like it's manual labor. And he was like, man, I want to lose weight. And I was like, well, tell me about your eating habits, tell me about your thing, because you work hard enough that you shouldn't you know, be struggling with weight. And he goes, yeah, you know, I do this, but you know, I, I, I go to sleep at 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock, I can't remember what he said. I said, well, what time do you eat? He was like, eh, I don't know, 10, 30, 11. I was like, well, that'll cause a problem. See, that's a habit that he's, that's producing a bad result. Does that make sense? Okay, you and I have habits that produce a bad result. A habit could be as simple as a particular room that you walk into. That you know when you walk into this room, the wheel starts spinning, right? Because it reminds you of something. It might be a room that a computer is in. It might be a room that a TV is in. It might be a room that's isolated from everybody else, so now you have free access on your phone. It might be a room with whatever. It, it, whatever it is, whatever it is, those habits, we're avoiding them. But the way we're avoiding them is by putting on Christ. Putting on the armor of Christ. So, how do we put on the armor of Christ? Well, I'm going to give you one way of putting on the armor of Christ in prayer. And I want you to see this, okay? So, um, on the screen, I want you to see, just like I just showed you the cycle of self-effort, I want to show you the means of grace. Here's how you're going to put on the armor of Christ. You're going to do it in prayer. Okay? So here's how it is. Remember, remember our step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six of the self-effort uh, cycle? This is a different one. So first we're going to do is we're going to go, we're going to own our sin. We're going to own our sin. What did you do, think, or feel? Psalm 51.3 says this, For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. We're going to own our own sin. A lot of what keeps us stuck is that we blame others for our sin. Well, you know what? You know why I have this issue with, um, with lust? Because they did that thing to me when I was a kid. Now, it's true that the things that have affected you in the past deeply affect you in the present. But at a certain point, you have to start owning the sin. You have to start going, wait, they stopped, they stopped abusing me 20 years ago. They stopped abusing me 40 years ago. I, I just abused myself last night. I just abused myself last week. There has to come a point where we start taking responsibility. We start coming to the Lord and going, listen, Lord, here's the truth about me. I love this more than I love you. I want this more than I want you. we got to start owning our sin. Second step is we're understanding our heart. What are the roots of your sin? And remember Psalm 139, uh, 23, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm uh, 139, 23. 
and 24. So understand your heart. What are the roots of your sin? Do you remember we went over this yesterday? I mean, I keep on saying yesterday, but it was last time we were together, last week. Right? We talked about significance, right? Wanting everybody, wanting your name in lights, wanting everybody to, uh, wanting greater influence for yourself. Remember we talked about approval? We talked about the approval, the approval that destroys us. That like, I'll do anything just to get the approval of others, to get, to get people to like me. And so I'll compromise my principles, I'll lie, I'll sleep around, I'll do whatever, just so people could approval. Then control. I want to, I don't trust Jesus with my life. I want to control. Your sin is birthed out of one of these four. This is why we're going to keep on going back over this. Control. Comfort. You remember? That it's, 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 a, it's a desire for pleasure outside of Christ. I, I don't want the pleasure of knowing and resting in you, Jesus. I just want the pleasure of what I want. See? Go back to the cycle. No, I'm sorry, baby. Go back to, um, to the cycle of prayer, uh, the means of grace. Okay. So we understand our hearts. Listen to me. This is super important. The thing that you're doing is a distraction. It's a distraction. It's, it's not the thing that you should be focusing on. So... For instance, if you find yourself, I mean, spending more money than you have, overeating, binging and purging, lusting, whatever, you got to start asking, what is it, what am I, what's the payoff? What's the salary that I'm earning when I work in this sin? Does this make sense? Like, you're asking why do I do what I do? Because it'll lead you towards your... See, you could have one person looking at the same screen, right? So they're looking at the same screen, practicing the same sin, right? But one is doing it because he likes... And it's the same screen, the same video, the same everything. But one person does it because he's out of control in every other area in life. And over here, he can control whatever they do on the screen. It's control. For another person, it's approval. The reason that they do it is because they just want the, at least the imagination that they're desired. They just want to be desired. Or maybe a third person uh, does it because they, they want pleasure. This is, the, this is the way that they, you know, it's just like, it's like, hey, just kicking back. This is the way I enjoy. You see, it's different idols. And you would counsel each one of those people differently, even though they're all doing the same thing. Understand your heart. What are the idols in my heart? Um, thirdly, confess your sin. What do you need to confess to God? What do you need to confess to God? In other words, it's no longer going, 
Oh God, I'm so bad. I broke the dirty picture rule. Oh God, I'm so bad. I broke the relapse rule. Oh God, I'm so bad. I broke the eating too much rule. Oh God, I'm so bad. I broke the, you know, be nice to your spouse rule. Whatever it is. It's not that. It's confessing truly. Hey, Jesus, here's the truth about me. I don't think you'll change my wife's heart, so I'll intimidate her to change. You can't be trusted, only I can be trusted with changing my wife. I don't, I don't believe that you could be a pleasure in my life, so excuse me while I drink my pleasure away. I don't believe that you are secure enough. Everything around my life feels insecure. And so, I act out in this way. I, I shop. I indulge. You see, we got to confess honestly to God. Remember, this is a practice that we're doing daily. So write this down, or take a picture, or do whatever. Fourthly, disown your sin. What has Jesus done for you? Meditate on that. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. There's that illustration, that, that allusion to darkness, right? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Beloved, disown your sin. Like, what, to wake up in the morning and go, no, I am not going to pursue that sin. It only brings me pain and terror, and Jesus has given me far better, far better. And then finally, ask the Spirit for help. How do you need the Spirit of God to help you? So there's this thing that uh, Jack Miller, uh, he's a guy who started this organization called Sonship. I think they recently changed their name to Surge. But the point is, is that Jack Miller had this thing called preventive repentance. Preventive repentance. I, this is brilliant. When, he, when I learned this, uh, I never met him, but when I learned this through his teaching, I was blown away. He, he wakes up in the morning, and he, has, he had three, four, or five things that he knew he was going to be susceptible to that day as he looked at his schedule. You see, like we look, all right, so some of you know, like today, I'm going to speak to my whatever, wife, spouse, niece, uncle, you know, whatever. And I know that that interaction always gets me to respond in a sinful way. So I can preventively repent. What does that mean? I can literally, I can go, God, you know, as soon as I start talking to them and they say this, that, or the other thing, as soon as, Lord, you know that I'm going to explode on them. So right now, I just, I want to look in that moment, and the reason I would explode is because I want to prove them wrong. I want to defend my rights. I want to... Uh, 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 defend my reputation. Lord, would you remind me that my reputation is solidly founded in you and that you look at me with the image of Christ, that what other people think of me is not as important as what you think of me and you already see me? You see me in Christ? You see the difference? What we're doing is we're avoiding the sin in the first place. We're praying so that we can avoid sin. Now, 
Let's end with this. So some of you have triggers. Like, let's bring this home, right? So this is a great way that I want you guys to pray on a daily basis so that you can more clearly see your sin and more readily avoid it. But for some of you, it's as simple as this. You're going to have to get rid of your cable box. You go, no! Listen, you know, you know that your cable box always leads you, not every day, but a lot of days, your cable box leads you to a particular thing, right? And you just go, I got to get rid of this. There's no victory in this one. I'm not going to get into the fight. I'm just going to avoid the fight together. Others of you, you're going to have to change friends. And you go, no! Well, then, beloved, then you don't want to. Remember what we said last week? We said that this series is going to reveal whether or not you actually love your sin or want to run to Christ. Because a lot of us just love our sin too much. We don't want to be free. The problem isn't that God hasn't given us resources to be free. The problem is, is that we don't want to be free. We'd rather be in our sin. And my prayer is that that's not your story. That's my prayer. So you, you might have to give up some friends. You might have to um, kill the Wi-Fi uh, in your house. You go, but how will I work? How will they? Don't worry about it. You can go to your office at work. You can use when the libraries open up. They have uh, free Wi-Fi as well. You can, in other words, you could literally put yourself in a position to avoid sin rather than regularly set yourself up to fail into, to fail into sin. Does that make sense? Okay, so in the end, in the end, I want you to know that it's better to avoid sinful cravings than to struggle with painful consequences. It's just better. It's better. It's better. It's better not to be there. When the kid at school says, I'm going to meet you outside of the cafeteria door um, at 3 o'clock, you know what's the best way to address that? Go outside the main entrance, not the cafeteria door, and go home that way. It's better to avoid it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. It's better to avoid sinful cravings than struggle with painful consequences. Haven't you found that to be true in your life? Now let's say this together, okay? We're going to say this three times, all right? So we're, forget the big idea part. That's something that I, told, uh, that I send in notes. It's not supposed to be there. But here it is. The, the, start with the better to avoid, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Better to avoid sinful cravings than struggle with painful consequences. Now, when you say that, I want you to think about the consequences. I want you to think about the consequences. What are the consequences? Well, I'll lose my marriage. I'll lose my place of living. I'll get fired. I'll, you know, I want you to think about the consequences, but not just think about the consequences. Think about how Jesus is better than that. How Jesus gives you the joy that you're looking for. Better to avoid sinful cravings than to struggle with painful consequences. On the count of three. One, two, three. Better to avoid sinful cravings than struggle with painful consequences. One last time. I want you to say it. So I want it to get in you, okay? On the count of three. 
One, two, three. Better to avoid sinful cravings than to struggle with painful consequences. This is a desire that I have for your life. And it's a desire that you can, we can avoid sin. You will Listen to me. If you're not there, if the cable isn't there, you know what sin is, right? All sin is, is temptation. Here's the equation of sin. Sin is temptation plus opportunity. That's all sin is. That's all sin is. I've never been tempted to watch something terrible on my computer when my wife is like right next to me talking to me. That's never happened. The, the temptation has never been there. And just Because the temptation is there, but the opportunity isn't there. I've never been tempted to pull out my phone while here with you guys. Never. Never once. But you know I've been tempted when I've been in a room by myself. You know why? Because the opportunity is there. We got to avoid the temptation by avoiding the opportunity. And we do that by clothing ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we gave you a prayer that you can pray each day and go through those scriptures to remind yourself of how much better Christ is. My prayer is that you will apply this. Next week we start on our second strategy. You don't want to miss it because this is not the whole thing. If you just do this, it'll be legalistic and you won't be able to grow. But this is a thoroughly gospel-centered um, way of trans being transformed. But you got to come in to next week so that we can continue the process of growing. Let me pray for you as we go. Father, thank you so much that you give us an opportunity. You give us a wonderful process by which we can turn from sin. Turn from sin and turn to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that many of us would be freed from living in the darkness to living in the light. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you for all your grace and goodness. And we ask that you would continue to make us aware of our triggers, make us aware of those things you want to take out of our lives. Make us aware of those uh, issues that we um, fall into. Make us aware of them and help us to run from them and run towards Jesus. For we do pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.